Hello and welcome to Michael and Vanka's Grand Podcast. It's a highfalutin podcast. <laughs> because we just choose subjects that sound like you don't want to think about them, but it's fine. And you'll enjoy it. My name's Michael Forrest. My name's Ivanka Magic. Yesterday I did hear somebody telling somebody else about describing our podcast to somebody else and say, well, you look, it's all like philosophy and it's all like really heavy subjects like <laughs> death and life. Did you hear someone say that? <laughs> yeah, I but they it. hadn't actually listened to it. Yeah, yeah. That's, so um... it's just like, I had a look and because I was in yesterday as a user <laughs> research coach and two of the people that I'm coaching asked it and one said, oh, what's your podcast about, Ivanka? And, and the other one went, oh, it's just really heavy subjects like death and <laughs> life. <laughs> and basically, he hadn't listened to it, but fair dues. This is our mission, yeah. though, because otherwise, and we know it's annoying to think about this stuff. So I that's what we're doing. We're biting the bullet for you. So yeah. you just have to kind of absorb our thoughts, I, like just blindly follow along <laughs> just, with our yeah, beliefs. Do, do, do what we say. Yeah, do what we think. <laughs> so think what we think. <laughs> this week, we're talking about responsibility. Ooh. Responsibility to ourselves, to our communities, to our planet, taking responsibility for things. Our jobs, our families, you know, there's all Just sorts of responsibilities available. So there are many <laughs> responsibilities available, yes. So let's, uh, without much longer delay, continue. <laughs> Was that you doing I'm just a funny? Thinking of thinking of the waveforms. Like, where am I going to cut this? No, that's, no, no, no. <laughs> keep no. going, keep oh, going. Shit. <laughs> All right, let's do it. Before we do anything else, we're just going to do our weekly rimble ramble at the start. <laughs> How are you, Ivanka? How was your week? Uh, I'm very well. I My week was good. I did more work this week than I normally do or have been doing. Paid work. I would, paid work, yes. Yeah, I mean, you're always yeah. working, right? Yeah, that's we should distinguish. Uh, I was doing more more work this week than I could invoice, <laughs> yeah, um, which is always nice. And I really enjoyed it went into London twice not once well, twice you didn't say hello once no I didn't <laughs> well I wasn't going anywhere near you I just went into Victoria down the road back out yeah I'm not anywhere um, near anyone I, I enjoyed it I did uh, I was doing coaching training type stuff which is always quite intensive you have to be really present <laughs> mm. and really focused but that's nice I did lots of preparing my house for Airbnb because we're going away next weekend Mm-hmm. And your Brighton uh, house or your other my house? Brighton house, yeah. Oh wow, your Airbnb in your real home. Yes, we Airbnb our real home. Wow, our real actual home. And if you're thinking about doing it, do get in touch with me, and I'll send you a link because I get money if you decide to. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, it makes you keep your house in order. Okay. Frankly, like uh, you know, all those little DIY jobs that you keep putting off, you have to get done because you've mm. got people coming who are actually going to pay to stay in your house, and it makes us certainly think twice before we buy random things that just are going to clutter up the place right so uh are you getting someone to are you gonna are you using a service or anything or you just no because we often go away for a number of weeks i offer a discount on people who want to stay for that period so they tend to just be one person uh, who is looking for somewhere to live not be on holiday Mm. so 
you know, this is our home, but we've got one room fitted a sturdy lock on and that's where we put the things we actually care about. Uh, but everything else, you know, there's nothing, okay. no really amazing family heirlooms. And I have to say that I we put away the projector and leave people a telly because I couldn't do long distance technical support. Were you doing that? Were you having no, to do no, that? I, I, ahead of time. Like, I'm yeah, really no. the only one that can un- <laughs> operate our TV system. So when, when we're not here, they have a normal TV that just switches on and off. Michael, how was your week? My week was good. I seem to be out of the other side of my little depressive phase, which is nice. I think I've, got, I've sort of figured out what I'm going to try and do to some extent. It's quite it's quite small things. But the main thing, I've been editing this video that I shot last week. And um, God, do you know what? TV has become weird now. So I showed my brother this sort of live footage I took of this, um, the Dunning Underwood Mammoth Beat Organ is the name of this project. Uh, I shot it live at this festival and I sort of showed it to my brother, the sort of first draft edit. And he was like, um, kept going on about the framing being bad. <laughs> like made me watch this rule of thirds thing. I was like, eh, whatever. Like, I was like, okay, I get it. My framing's not great. But I watched this thing and I was like, okay, rule of thirds. So then I'm sort of shooting all of this stuff like trying to keep the kind of rule of thirds line. So you divide the, you know, sort of three vertical lines and then you can sort of have, you know, three horizontal lines as well and just kind of putting things on the intersections. And I was sort of focusing on that. And now any time I watch anything on TV, all I can see is where they've, how they've done the framing and it's doing my head in because I want to stop seeing it because I'm like dreaming about it now. <laughs> and I'm walking around. I'm like my head is a camera. And I like I because this I, I, this happened to me with music. I, I kind of learned how to make it and then it ruined a lot of it for me. And now I'm in danger of ruining sort of, you know, photography for myself because I'm just focused on this bloody technical stuff. But yeah, I finished that. I finished the first draft of the edit. I, I, we were going to get someone in to do the voiceover, but then I thought, well, I'm a podcaster. Yeah, I've got, I could do the voiceover. So I yeah, had a go you're at a that. podcaster. I had a go at that. And I think it sounds quite good. And then they seem to like it. So, you know... That's that. That was a win, and also yesterday, just seeing uh, Dom and Jason enjoying our podcast on Twitter was nice as well. So you know, I've got a bit of clarity, bit of positive reinforcement on some projects I've been doing. So you know, let's do it. Let's just sort of excited about where this video goes, and um, very good. You know, and then I've nearly finished my app as well, my new app, Just Calories, which is an app for just kind of consistently counting how many calories you've consumed today and whether they're good or bad or all right uh, so I'll, i'm going to release that hopefully next week it's just about done nice so yeah ready what you were saying about not being able to watch telly after learning about framing and stuff it's like i was talking to somebody in the week there's like since they've started doing usability testing user research the thing that they've embraced is whenever they can't do something on some app or some technology. It's now no longer their fault. It's yeah. the, the, the the app's fault. What idiot designed this? Uh, which I think is... But, I mean, that's a positive change. I yeah, think. yes. It's, like, it's not always just purely annoying. It's uh, funny the more you understand what's going on. The, in it. doesn't always make it nice. Yeah. But, Should we talk about responsibility? 
Have you got yes, a lot of let's. Have you got a lot of responsibilities? You've got more than me, haven't you? I do. I have a, I have a child. I have a daughter. I have a dog. <laughs> a child, a daughter and a dog. <laughs> a husband. I have... Husband. <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm responsible for him. I have to, since we had our daughter, we did things like make a will, which I'd never yeah. done previously. When it was just the two of us, it was like, meh. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just have to deal with whatever fallout there is if something happens to one or both of us but once we had a child it was like well we should do these things because my parents never debated these things and so there was no plan for if one parent died suddenly so it was mm. all a bit uh reactive uh we've done things like chosen who gets to keep the child if something happens to both of us it's all very morbid but Yikes. but you know Necessary. Planning for the planning for the worst. Planning for the worst that you hope never happens and probably won't. But mm. um, so I have those kinds of responsibilities. I think I also have responsibilities within my family, wider family, like checking in with everyone, helping them out, make sure they're okay. Maybe not. I'm maybe not answerable or responsible for their happiness, but I'd like to know they're okay. L- literally, I am responsible for my daughter, mm. but responsible also makes it sound like some sort of a burden, which yeah. I don't well, see. So, is responsibility is it a burdensome thing? I, I guess it's always like it means you know taking making a bit of effort, doesn't it? Like if yeah. an irresponsible person is sort of synonymous with lazy. That's true. So, um, I mean, I, 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 I don't know what responsibilities I have. I just not to do anything ridiculously stupid um, <laughs> to, and, you know, make sure I lock doors. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, yeah. My family, I don't know, like with my family, it's there's sort of too many of them to really because I think I, I used to, well, my grandma told me years ago, like she, she thought I took too much responsibility for my siblings. Um, which I didn't really, I still don't quite understand because I never really, I just always thought I, you know, kind of ruled them. But (laughs) I guess I was quite protective of them as well. I charge. I protect, I suppose, like, you know, when there was unreasonable kind of stuff coming from above, I would try and, would I? I don't know. It's all from a child's perspective. It's hard to know, you know, now, what was I, real? I don't really know what, what was happening. Yeah. <laughs> but according to my grandma, I, I took responsibility for my siblings. But now, yeah, obviously it's like there's too many. Yeah, I'm the eldest of a family of, you know, seven children. Moving on to the next levels of responsibility, yes. there are the whole delivering on your promises. Yes. Like at work, especially doing what you say you're going to do. Uh, or, there's also taking or, or saying t- you're going to do something seems to be a challenge for a lot of people. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Because Just that going... requires you going. Right. Okay. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> <laughs> And some there people just that. like to let everything stay vague and just we'll have another meeting and another meeting and no one ever yeah. quite. So I think that's, I get a yeah, lot yeah, done yeah. partly because I am pretty unsqueamish about taking responsibility for stuff. Probably at a certain point I end up taking responsibility for too much be, be, yeah. for whatever reason. But I, I just, I'm just like, well, this other person isn't taking responsibility for their end, so... If it's going to get done, someone's got to do it, you know. I think that's the balance. That's that taking responsibility for the things you should take responsibility for. Maybe in a work environment, you kind of need to punch up a little bit 
if you want to progress or you want to have more mm. responsibilities or whatever, but equally you can't be responsible for things you can't control or can't change. It's very hard. I have a real to- problem saying that something didn't get done, like blaming someone else for something not getting done. Like if I, if I, especially if I think there was a way I could conceivably maybe have kind of done it for them or just kind of worked around that, I have a real problem kind of just sort of like not just like blaming someone else or blaming the circumstances i i just i just think like if you say you're going to do something you got to do it even if yeah. it, you know there's always a way i kind of feel and I, I don't know i don't know what it takes for me to go well i couldn't do it because this wasn't ready or i couldn't do it because x y and if if i see that happening i straight away i'm kind of like look this is i, I kind of start warning people about it as soon as i possibly can think about it because i just i th- there's nothing worse to me than <laughs> you know well, I used to hate that that phrase. I, I'm, you know, that you get in agile, which is like I'm blocked, mm. but, and you've been blocked, so unable to proceed for how long? Mm. And you haven't come to talk to me about it, or you haven't mm. asked. I mean, what action have you taken to move from being stationary? Nothing. <laughs> well, that's just I, that used to wind me up enormously. We're so blocked what, on what, design. What were you doing then while you were blocked? Were you just yeah, sitting was, there? Like I can't. I just can't. Anyway. I think I, I, I don't have a problem with it if it's, you know, if, if you're having a daily stand up and, you know, it comes up in the morning. But if, if you're sort of not checking in every day and then someone's claiming blocked a week later, that's just obviously completely unacceptable. Luckily, we often work in teams where people do take responsibility for their jobs. Because sometimes mm. I'm like, look, if everyone just came in every day and did their job to the very best of their abilities, <laughs> life would be so much easier. Things happen that you cannot anticipate or can't do anything about that or yes. can't control. And yesterday we had a finding which was um, in this year. I was helping them analyse this user research and one of the findings was uh, to do with performance. But it, in no way was it within the control of any of the people in the team, any of the immediate product mm. people to do anything about this. But mm. I was like, we, we have to make sure that we write this down in a digestible way for the people up the ladder to understand that they have truly been told that this is a big risk to the project. So performance and being like sort of speed of... Speed of something, yeah. yeah. Like software. So it's like, you know, that somebody higher up needs to take two people and get them to sort something out. Mm. We can't do that. But, so, but we can express this risk in a way that might prompt somebody to action. Right, Because... Yeah. You know, it's like we could kind of go, yeah, well, there's this thing we can't do anything about. Or we can go, if you don't fix this thing, then the whole thing will go wrong. And so I think you do have a responsibility to shout when you know something is a risk or something's going wrong. a moment yesterday i was walking to i was walking through hammersmith and suddenly this um this guy on a motorbike just kind of came off his bike right in front of me there, oh, well, there was a sort of like um bus stop in between and so i was walking up there thinking okay is this going to be me am i going to be the one like calling an ambulance and stuff now and then i sort of got closer and then uh, there was a couple of workers and a guy that was like oh you're sort of helping him up and kind of dealing with you know and i was like okay well i guess i don't have to help this time i don't know who's riding him he was fine um it, it, it didn't even have particularly bad was a bit scuffed but he was wearing like flip-flops and like a t-shirt and i was like well, that's no now way that to. is irresponsible 
there's no way to ride it. Well, but um, it was a bit of a moment of, okay, right, what do I have to do? Sometimes it's hard to take responsibility for something because you don't really know what to do. There is that. But, I mean, there is a famous... Um experiment or it's famously reported i'll find the reference to it but basically uh, there's a serial killer in a city and a woman is being murdered and she's screaming for help and repeatedly and everybody in the neighborhood that heard her thought somebody else was calling an ambulance mm. Yeah. And nobody called nobody called the police, nobody called an ambulance, and she was murdered by the serial killer, despite doing what everyone told just calling for help. And, and that has I don't know if that phenomenon, I can't remember if it's to do with responsibility or what it is when there's a shit, when there's a group, like in your situation, it's like, is it going to be me who calls the ambulance? Mm-hmm. Is actually one step more responsible and proactive than eh, somebody else will, somebody will call an ambulance. Yeah, um, but but there is that thing of yeah, when there is someone that looks you know, there might be someone homeless kind of sitting in somewhere and you sort of walk past them, but then often but then there's this thing, as soon as one person kind of goes to help someone, then, yeah, then other, other people, people get involved. Yeah. So there's that sort of permission aspect of it. But I suppose it's... Does that, is that because there's a spreading of responsibility or is it just... I? But, yeah, it's funny because, you know, if I'd not seen the actual accident happen and there was just someone on the floor... I don't know. It's, it's weird, isn't it? If you you just don't know, it's in a big city. It's, this is where this happens because you just. When I lived in Brixton, so I used to live in Brixton, the sort of early two thousands, on um, like right on the high street, right opposite the police station, and it was behind Brixton Academy, with like just the windows were just you know they weren't double glazed, so every sound you know you couldn't go to bed before one in the morning certainly because it was just like so loud in there. But this this Canadian guy moved in. Um, so it was a house share with like four of us and so in the back alley by the academy there was someone sort of sc- screaming and he sort of straight away called the police and he was like oh there's a you know there's someone down there and they're sort of screaming and we were all kind of going what is this guy <laughs> what's this guy doing it's like every five minutes you hear someone screaming or making a lot of noise or you know things going on and you just you sort of filter out at a certain point um, which is, is is a sad fact of living in cities, which means that stuff just falls through the cracks, doesn't it? And it's it's, it's weird to, to... If we didn't have naive outsiders coming through all the time, how many more people would slip through the cracks? I don't know, it's just a theory but, I've invented in right now. But it makes you think of the uh, normalisation thing that everyone yes. keeps banging on about at the moment, which is like, you know, what is happening is not normal. This is not normal behaviour. We should, certainly should not accept this as this normal. Let this become normal. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I am one of those people that, and perhaps in the past I haven't been, but I've developed the, actually, I'm going to stop and ask. Well, you, you know, said Nick does this. So yeah, Nick does I it all the time. It's like, it's like oh, makes me feel bad. <laughs> Come on, man, the scene of film's going to start in a minute. Do we have to go and investigate who's screaming in the park? Yeah. That happened once. Um, really? Yeah, but he, but uh, I'm more of a. I, because he was, you literally heard somebody going, help me, help me. So, oh, so Nick was like, right, who, who, where are you? And then they were like, two friends having a play fight. Yeah, oh God. But. Like I was, I was, uh, you know, still. Well, that's irresponsible of them, isn't it? It is highly. I nearly missed my movie because of their behaviour. Well, I, mean I suppose that <laughs> undermines. But no, it is irresponsible to kind of like cry wolf. 
My veggie box I get delivered weekly comes from Riverford Organics. And for those of you who don't know who they are, the, the guy called Guy who started Riverford has recently uh, given most of his business away to his workers. So it's now a workers cooperative right. or employee owned or some model like that he's done. Uh, I can't remember the specifics, but he does these little newsletters that I, I don't always read, but I usually cast an eye over them. And I like buying from Riverford. I bought, I've bought from Riverford for probably 10 years easily, if not a bit longer. But, you know, they're very mindful. Obviously, it's organic vegetables. You can choose to have no no vegetables imported at all. They have some farms in France and Spain as well, which is still... Um, and he, you know, he talks about the fact that they've done studies with the University of Exeter, I think it is, to say that um, flight miles... Are, or, you know, travel miles, let's say, from Spain or France are less environmentally impactful than having heated polytunnels in the UK to be able to produce vegetables all year round. They okay. work on waste reduction. So they do, they've got a whole sort of area of their of their business that looks at how to package vegetables to keep them safe without using plastic and blah, blah, blah. So anyway, it's got, but they still use um they do use some plastic, but it's obviously a lot less. Blah blah blah. Anyway, today, this week's, w w he was go. He Are was you talking about paper to read from it. I've actually got paper. It's a wow. paper newsletter. Wow! Okay. It comes in your veggie box, <laughs> and I uh, every so often I mean to email them and say, "Can you not give me this because I don't look at it?" Because you get some recipes as well. Right. But then I do actually have a look at it. So. And then sometimes go, what the hell is this vegetable? <laughs> <laughs> so this week he was talking about the plastic reduction. And then he said, but let's not get distracted by plastic. He said, anthropogenic mm. climate change is unquestionably the biggest environmental threat our planet faces. We must not allow the plastic debate to detract from this. Reducing plastic does nothing to address climate change. And in some instances, it can make it worse. So he makes this uh, pragmatic policies argument. And he says, you know, the other problem we've got is that for them as a business trying to do plastic reduction is that some things can be recycled, but not every can. There's no uniformity across the country to say that all councils all recycle this kind of plastic or right. that kind of packaging. And he said with one of those things, he said, we desperately need an intelligent long term national policy on what materials will be recycled composted and incinerated or landfilled in the current vacuum effort is being wasted on mm. ill-informed company policies and headline grabbing claims that will deliver little or no value so he said to abandon policy to individual choices and market voices is an abdication of responsibility and a failure of government mm. time for action michael gove uh, do you write michael gove <laughs> yeah nice that's what he it's, said but there is this what? fetish I, I do find like carrier bags as well it was like we sort of fetishize a little kind of environmental thing it is making a little bit of a difference i suppose but like, if yeah he's right isn't it like you get obsessed yeah, I mean with plastics and then I mean, it's like when Michael Gove, they Gone did holiday. that, we're going to get rid of plastic straws. Wicked. That is good news, Michael Gove. Mm. But you're the he you're the government minister for the environment when we're facing a massive climate disaster and this is your idea of doing something proactive, <laughs> is it? Banning plastic straws. Yeah, this is all good steps. I don't want you to stop making these steps 
But yeah. you're the government. You actually have responsibility for these kind of things. Unless we, you know, we're going to go down the libertarian route, as discussed last week, where we're just going to live in the Mad Max future, where <laughs> if, <laughs> if you're good at fighting, you're going to be, you're going to get the water. Yeah, so our responsibilities, I think we're by podcasting, we're taking a little bit more responsibility than we would be for our awareness. Mm -mm. But I certainly, the more we talk, feel a shortfall in the responsibility I'm taking for any of the bigger problems. Is that a question of responsibility or is it a question of activity or consciousness? Well... I feel like somehow by by even recording my opinions on things, I'm having to be more responsible for them or somehow make them more considered or mm. question them more. Which I would call, I guess, accountability. Is that oh, yeah. the same sort of thing? I don't know. They must be in the same family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like a, a way of, you know, having a few beers in a pub and going, yeah, 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 anyway, that Michael go and his plastic straws and, uh, and it's, you know, a conversation has happened and it disappears and it's there's no reference to it ever again. Um, there's a difference between doing that and then recording something and actively promoting it. Yes, yes. <laughs> Listen to me. I stand by my thoughts, my opinions. But then I think the thing you and I both struggle with is whether we're doing enough and whether or anything at all (laughs) it's like whether this class is as any doing anything at all you know and if it does is it enough does this raise awareness I don't I mean I suppose responsibility you do start with yourself yeah (laughs) don't you you know like if you what is the point Michael why do we do it I mean but I I am definitely learning stuff and questioning the things that I do and why I do them because I'm actively checking in Mm. and having a conversation with you going dinner even that I I was thinking about it yesterday the um that that guilty feminist episode about the ableist language that's still in my I can't let it go it's taking (laughs) late ages and ages to filter through my brain to a point where anti-disabled people were you before that point? I don't think I was but I was just like never ever ever stopped and thought about it or never thought about it in those terms I, you know I never thought calling somebody an m-word was somehow don't you know so now I'm so just make it I, I I kind of like things though that make me go are you right really yeah like if someone can make a case that's it's it's it hurts yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's what it's worth doing. It's a bit of childbirth, which I'd know all about. So, um, <laughs> oh, I heard. Uh, hey, it's I a callback. Keep <laughs> listening and you'll hear callbacks. <laughs> I want to talk about crime and also sort of in drugs as well. Oh, so you'll hear goodness. a lot of people sort of going, oh, well, I was drunk. It wasn't my fault. But... Drugs don't change your personality. They just sort of amplify bits of it. So this idea that you're not responsible for your actions because you're under the influence of something is it just if I hear it, I'm like, nope, absolutely not. Uh, not acceptable. I don't care how messed up you were. Because also it's, you have a responsibility not to get that 
fucked up as well. Mm. Um, and a okay. lot of the worst sort of irresponsibility you see is around alcohol, things like that. Uh, people just kind of like um, not really taking responsibility for their behaviour when they're messed up. Would you have you ever cried drunk? What do you mean? So I did it because I was drunk. Something? Yeah. <laughs> big question. <laughs> That's a big question, isn't it? I'm sorry. It may not be podcast. Whoa. Right. <laughs> hmm. I may perhaps. Well, no, I don't think retrospective. No, I have. I've taken response. No, I have. I've. I know that I've done things because I have. I have been less less inhibited, or I don't know what the word less less responsible because I was drunk, but not less responsible for my actions, if you know what I mean. Like, it was me that did it, <laughs> but it was me that <laughs> it got drunk. It wasn't someone else, yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't somebody, somebody else. else. I did it, as... but I perhaps wouldn't have done it if I'd have thought it through a bit harder if I hadn't <laughs> been drunk, but I shouldn't have been drunk in that situation. But there's, mm. I think there's certain things that I, as a female person, how drunk I might get at a friend's party at their house where I'm surrounded by people that I love and trust mm. is different to how I might behave if I was out in a nightclub and I needed yeah. to get a taxi home and blah, blah. Yeah. So in that way, I've always been fearful of not being in control, which has mm. always led me to, I don't know, retain an element. Unless I'm out with somebody who I really like. If I go out with Nick, uh, <laughs> then he's responsible for me. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'd like Sometimes I'd like to just go... Bleh. You, yeah. you, you deal you with me. After me. I'm just going to do whatever I want. <laughs> I don't care. I'm just going to lie on the floor and I'm just going to go and floppy and you deal with me. Like I, I, I have never done that. And I just, you know. Yeah, I think I'm fair. also a bit too old, you know. I, I, yeah, I, yeah. You know, it's not really behaviour that we do. But, um, but, yeah, I think there's a... I think I have got that drunk, actually. <laughs> that's, 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 yeah, not, not very many times. No, no. The, uh, I think, uh, yeah, I'm not... I didn't. For some reason, I'm surprised to be talking about alcohol in a responsibility, well, which is just silly. I don't know why I didn't think of it. Please drink responsibly. Yeah, that's the advert, well, isn't it? That's what they have to write on it. They do, don't they? But, but then, you know, we're talking about, you know, doing something embarrassing or, you know, offensive, but... Crime, you know, it certainly is. It, well, not knowing anything about law, I guess my understanding is that if the person who has done something bad takes responsibility for their actions, that the sentence is kind of adjusted accordingly because the whole point of it is you take responsibility for your. It's actions. rehabilitation and yeah. um, taking responsibility. Yeah. So and if you take responsibility before you get sentenced, you probably need less of a sentence because you've done yeah. the first bit. <laughs> whereas, the, whereas there's, yeah, apparently prison is full of people that, you know, innocent people. <laughs> prison yes. is full of people that didn't do it. And I'm sure there is enough of that. Yeah, obviously, the people that are innocent is a very different thing. But if we sort of confine our commentary to people that, did do something and didn't take responsibility for it there is a reason that you know they you kind of have to lock them up because they're not gonna well you certainly need to rehabilitate them in some way even whether locking them up is the right way or the wrong way I don't know but you certainly need to kind of get them to take responsibility that has got to be the first step is is responsibility something that is can learning how to take responsibility be part of that rehabilitation then is it sort of like is it are we talking about people that uh don't really know how well i think if you've not i mean i don't know where a sense of response yeah i don't know where a sense of responsibility comes from 
in a person? Is it something you're taught? Is it, you know... If you have no control, how can you ever be responsible? But of course you're in, you're yeah. in control of what whether you murder someone. So, like, well, I, I, you know, there's some well. interesting psychology and stuff around this. If you take because right. now you know that we've I've certainly done the stats on here. Like the you know only something like three percent of the population ever goes to, into care, but fifty percent of the prison population has been in care, mm. which means that there's a lot of people in there whose childhoods did not go how they should go and mm. when I mean should I mean that they were just cared for they were by their parents or by people who looked after them so yeah. you know many cared for children would have would have suffered we've talked we've definitely talked about this all sorts of different kinds of abuse that literally physically prevent certain parts of their brains developing mm. now if that's the situation that those those children are in and they grow up into adults and they're not given the proper care to help them recover from yeah. their abuse, then in many ways I'm not sure that they are responsible. Do you mm. know, you know, I know they're an adult, but if you've grown up to be an adult, I know this is a ridiculous analogy, but you know, let's say one of your hands you was disconnected from you and then it did something i, I can't okay. think of a better way. it's like an that evil you, hand. you've got an evil hand yeah um, because the part of your brain that controls that hand didn't didn't develop properly like are you responsible for it if if somebody you know you, you being left to cry and being neglected as a baby prevented part of your brain developing like i don't know I mean, this does uh i suppose when you talk about responsibility you are buying into that sort of the notion of a singular consciousness and self which isn't necessarily the case it's we're, we're an amalgamation of a lot of different behaviors and it seems like we are an individual but really we're we're kind of a lot of different things mashed into one you know into a brain and body and a thing can unexpectedly take over and are you responsible for the behaviors of the other characters in your dreams wow. right like because if, if that's how i think of schizophrenia a bit like it's sort of if, if your dreams happened while you're awake and you couldn't tell the difference like you're hearing voices perceiving things that aren't there it's sort of to me it's like well we're all crazy at night um, yeah, it's just yeah. then we wake up and then if if something, you know, ostensibly external to us is influencing our behaviour or saying certain things, are we responsible for that? We kind of are. Like, again, former therapist Rob, Robert Lewis, I sort of asked him about dream analysis once and he went, well, I mean, in a dream, every single person in that dream is you. So, you know, what would that then make the dream mean? But do you know what I'm saying? You know, I've kind of, I, I, I let, since someone criticised us for being philosophical on the podcast, I was like, oh, let's go for it. Let's go for theatre of mind. Let's, let's crank this up a notch. Um, the notion of responsibility implies a singular self, which, you know, philosophically isn't necessarily um, defensible as a, you know, it's not necessarily the truth.
on a, on a practical note, yeah. <laughs> I was going to, I was more thinking, going back, that I'm not responding. I'm more going back to... Highfalutin. No, what, what I wanted to talk about was, <laughs> I think the thing is that the responsibility, this community or societal responsibility for people has to come into it. You don't grow up in isolation. You don't exist or learn in isolation. You learn and exist in the society, the community, the the world that you live in. So therefore, if somebody in your immediate community is living a terrible childhood, you are partly responsible for that in some way. Maybe not as I think, you know, like if you see a child being, you know, mistreated, if you see like, you know, these there will be consequences for all of us. And and different societies have different ways of accountability responsibility so is it a buddhist thing where if you you know you take responsibility for the world around you if you see some litter even if you didn't drop it you, you know you pick, it, pick up. it up and put it in the bin um whereas i think this is you know a sort of individualistic society that we live in where we kind of have quite tight boundaries on what we feel responsible for versus you know a village culture or cultures in other places that that mean that allow us not to take responsibility for 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 hungry people in the streets i think it would be useful to be able to open up that kind of sphere of responsibility a little bit wider than it has been like you know good samaritan you know samaritans it's a good christian story yeah um he's the enemy but it you know he helped and that's i've never understood how come so much sort of conservative behavior is associated with Christianity, when my understanding of Christianity is all about the sort of good Samaritan, the love thy neighbour, that I accept that my theological education no, no, I can, I in the area in of Christianity the, is I can fill in the gaps. It's almost as if they're just taking the tribalist, the tribalistic thing and just saying Christian, non-Christian and using that just completely out of the spirit of Christianity, using that as a way to divide people up and kind of create us and them groups. Is that is that what's happening? Mm. Um, or is, is there something about... And I, I suppose the Bible being this source of... Because it's kind of an old book now, has all sorts of nonsense in it that doesn't hold up to modern scrutiny and i will link to the uh, a very there's a good bible infographic which shows it's just a kind of diagram of all the contradictions and nonsense in the bible like if you don't believe it's, it's, that's just good if you want to just have a play through and see some of the hilarity in there but if you're gonna if you're gonna start kind of leaning on that for like look because anything you want you can find in there to justify any behavior and then if you have this sort of dogmatic idea but the, the whole point of Jesus was he it was supposed to change that it was supposed to kind of loosen the reins of, sort of dogma and that kind of thing but then it sort of turned back into I think but I think it's I think it's literally just oh it's us and them it's Christians and non-Christians conservative Christianity is a thing right yeah it which is. is distinct from other kinds of Christianity um so it's, yeah, it's, so I think it's almost the conservatism is shaping the Christianity, which is maybe a kind of a malleable thing. Um, and then if you're going to be conservative about it, then you're going to be sort of like anti-abortion, anti-gay, anti, you know, all sorts of things, because there is all sorts of stuff in the Bible to kind of support that if you want to look for it. But uh, you're very much cherry picking in, in that case if you do do that. As Because I, I just anyway. think that in that sort of 
the, the, the tribalism bit that you described, there's this absence of critical thinking as well. It's like this acceptance of things that you're being told without going, huh? Or, you know, and isn't it in a way not taking responsibility? Well, I do it because Bible. Yeah, and it's dangerous to have an unquestionable source of knowledge. That's yes. not... That's no. utterly anti-intellectual. That's you know you're not willing to learn if you're not willing to take to question things in one of your sources. If you're gonna you know it's that in itself you know it's a problem. Yeah, but maybe that's you know why I'm not very good at religion. Yeah. <laughs> like like there's a degree of well, any authority, frankly. Um, but uh, mm. well, a lot of these modern like, you know Christianity is very sort of touchy feely, and I'm not meaning like pedo priests or obviously, but um, <laughs> it's like, oh, what do you think? Even at like Catholic school, you know, when I was like having my first Holy Communion, and even then in the 80s, I'm kind of like, I mean, my my issue with it was that everyone else was going to be dressed up in a suit, and no one was seemed to be. I was I found that embarrassing, but also no one was going to help me achieve that so I was embarrassed that I was going to have to do it in just my school uniform and and then I think my I don't know I, I, I didn't really feel like anyone was showing me what to do but they were sort of interpreting it as me having sort of religious doubts right but being sort of very supportive of that um which it's sort of weird, like doesn't really go with our idea of sort of dogmatic Catholicism. No. But that, that, you know, the reality of was it, well, you know, if, if you're not sure, then let's, you know, it was very, it was a kind of a, a warm reaction to that. It wasn't like, you're a heretic and you will be burned. <laughs> I think, um, I think I owe the lack of religious education in my life to the fact that my father was educated by priests that did the, <laughs> you will burn in hell, the eye of God is always looking on you and you will be punished and he didn't want his children growing up in fear so he sort of steered us well clear of the catholic church particularly in Herzegovina. and then in england he was like okay you know you can go my brother and sister went to catholic school but i i didn't Mm. because i was i it was decided i was too old (laughs) it was too late it could be a tangent but i think uh, responsibility does relate to religion a lot as well i've said this before if you feel like you've got someone watching you all the time then that sort of (laughs) It's almost like there's a threat of punishment there that means you have to do the right thing. That if it's merely a responsibility that you don't really like coming that has to come from it within yourself, that you have no real way of you know, you wanna and there's nothing forcing you, then you know, what we call taking responsibility now is in a lot of cases what in the past would be enforced by sort of religious fear of you know fear of like supernatural consequences my mother was the big she was the better enforcer of you know not doing what you were told or not doing what you said or and I you know if I I didn't want to if she wasn't watching me I would still not do the things she didn't let me do Mm. Do you know, you know what I mean? It's like I didn't... Well, you have, again, like, as it coming back to that idea that we're an amalgamation of different kind of characters in one brain. Like you'll have had that. You'll still, Even when she's not in the room, you'll still have had her in your head kind of yeah, looking yeah, at yeah. you. It's like, still it's feel about, the I mean, I, I remember not doing... Like, I was backpacking in China and not getting on a particular boat or something because I thought, do you know what? If I drown, my mum's going to be really cross. <laughs> I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. Stupid. Mm. Don't do stupid things. Mother will be pissed <laughs> off. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, so there is that, I suppose. But I think there's, there's one other 
story on the crime responsibility thing mm. that it might the moment may have passed no, but it. it's nagging at the back of my brain but I've always felt very strongly that the age of responsibility is a important thing right. I think until you're a formed person you know your you, your starting point was if you're taking drugs and alcohol you are still you mm. you are just you on something yeah. and therefore to say I murdered them because I was drunk it was still you. Mm. Um, but there's a point at which, so one of the reasons I think taking drugs very young is bad is because you're not you yet. You don't know yet. Yeah. I mean, I know we're always evolving, mm. but there is a point where things slow down and stabilise well, a bit. And there's not, you're not you yet, and also it's going to kind of affect... It's going to mess, yeah, it's going to mess you up. It's like, you know, even being... And I, I definitely drank as a te- young teenager, but I um, there are many things that you can experience and feelings you can feel that you can feel with or without you know other substances mm. i mean nowadays i just have extra coffee i can be really happy <laughs> but they but so i think there's that and there's also the, in the most extreme cases there are the stories like two teenage girls beat a woman an old woman to death one of the two had basically watched her mother be beaten within an inch of her life and she herself had been beaten within an inch of her life repeatedly through her life to the age of 14 or 15. She simply didn't understand that beating some... Like, how could somebody who's been beaten within an inch of their life, I mean, hospitalised multiple times, understand that beating somebody could kill them? I've been beaten loads of time. And 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 how could they even have the rational thought in their minds to understand that that's not normal behaviour? Yeah, 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 and a lot of a lot of what therapy does for you is helps you untangle what's normal. Well, you know what's normal yeah, and what's, what's exce- just very weird and unusual you know. and unique and weird to you and your circumstances or little conclusions you've accidentally drawn. Yeah. You know, you hear about people having phobias because you know they gave the old lady next door a glass of water and then the next day she died mm. and therefore water is dead. You know, like there's random things that we wire up mm. in our heads that we did. For the, we drew the wrong yeah. conclusions when we were little, e- subconsciously, and then we're stuck. Yeah, with and them. we can and be I think, quite simplistic about how we connect the dots. Um, yeah. Totally. I mean, you know, look at my daughter's growing up and growing down theories <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> you know, C example, exhibit A: growing up and yes. growing down. When you're a little girl again, you can borrow my sandals. <laughs> oh, thanks. Uh, anyway. But I think in that in that world of, of responsibility and crime and punishment, we know about how the brain... This child who's been abused their whole life wasn't born to be violent. They were made that mm. way by their circumstances. You know, and as I don't know whether they're all helpable or not, but it's... I don't know that they can take responsibility. And I think that goes for all sorts of things, looking after your health. Uh, the, the the thing that's never settled in my mind, personally, there's a point at which I look at people and I go all judgy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it when it is. Like, I'm not... I can't say, oh, if they've fulfilled these criteria, I won't judge them. Or if they haven't, I will. But there's a point at which I go... Well, you're a grown-up now. You must take responsibility for your well, own that, actions. But well, like, that's why it's called judgment. Because it isn't quantifiable, and that's why we have to have special people called judges that just judge it. I'm going to say these bankers, this banking crisis, 
Did yes. w- did they take responsibility for their actions? Were they they were utterly irresponsible in their behaviour? Yes. Subprime mortgages, all that, like just weird kind of complicated financial conceits in order to kind of get money for things that didn't exist over and over again. And then when the financial collapse happened, like the two thousand and eight one, and they did they they just got away with it, right? And yes, did they, they did. take responsibility? Did anything happen? No, they did not. Could if no. we had not just let them off the hook, were there people that could have would have stepped up and gone, okay, well, my personal fortune is this. Okay, well, we should have. Could we not have tried to hold them to account a bit more? Yeah, what I think the whole banking crisis raised is this interesting thing of responsibility and where it lies, because government sort of stepped in and fixed it to some, you know, like sort of gave banks money and propped them up and made everything okay when actually, and it sort of creates this this sort of idea that some things, you know, the government can always step in and rescue things, which in the case of climate change, they, they you know, they can't throw some money at the <laughs> ozone layer and make it, you know, sew it up with dollar notes so I think there is something about having to take responsibility for stuff and being forced to in a way the financial crisis it's it's an easy one to just well it's just money isn't it whereas mental health we do make our government responsible you know we, we they are responsible for the mental health of their citizens to some extent you know the the idea of our welfare state is to have government take responsibility for for people that are struggling um but yeah that's much more complex than oh uh, well we, you need that much money okay well here's that much money don't do it again and we sort of own you but yeah you're probably you know I mean, the the lack of responsibility in that is probably opened the door for some of this Brexit nonsense. Oh, Brexit! We you know, didn't do you know what I mean? It's even like even talk about the irresponsibility of Mr. David Cameron calling a referendum about no, something. Well, you know, what's the, well, if it goes all wrong, the government's going to go and tap up the magic money tree, which isn't a real thing. Mm. <laughs> and you know, this, some things can't be unfucked. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and then it comes down to punishment, doesn't it? It's like should we we want to see people punished? We want to see people answer to their crimes, and certainly in terms of the, as far as the financial crisis goes, we've not seen any of that. I'm listening to Dan Carlin's hardcore history on um, sort of like it's it's five hours of sort of historical stuff about um, kind of public executions and punishments and torture and and you know the sort of historical kind of attractiveness of brutality and violence to us um that now we sort of accept a sort of fake version of but just talking about the way the sort of states evolved in terms of what they what they were comfortable doing as punishment and that you know there was this period of, sort of zero tolerance where they wanted a sort of light touch state that didn't do much but if they did catch you it was you know a hand cut off or you know execution for small crimes so that they could have a sort of light touch state um now we're just yeah like it you know a, a public hanging public execution Maybe not quite what we're asking for, but I, did we really see anything? 
to... Well, no, I, I think the financial sector itself has, you know, done or tried to do stuff to... to uh, certainly understands how much trust was lost. And so... Mm-hmm. And I can't think of a single example now of things they're doing. But my, my impression is that they're doing stuff around regulations to be more grown up and responsible. But I don't know. I can't are, point are to anything. Are they doing it or are they having it done to them? I suppose... Uh, I think I think it's six of one half dozen of the other because I think you know not everybody in the financial sector is an irresponsible fool so you know there's a there are (laughs) grown-ups in every industry who um I I don't know enough about it to be honest the other thing I heard this week on the news on the subject of taking responsibility for things or being made to take responsibility for things was the lawyer representing the women who accuse her accusing Trump of sexual misconduct and Harvey Weinstein and all these mm-hmm. people. Uh, her name is Gloria Allred, and she. I heard her on Radio Four, and she was brilliant. Okay, <laughs> she was absolutely amazing. Just the way she spoke, but what she was talking about was the fact that these men in positions of authority have used that authority and used their positions to abuse women and behave irresponsibly. They need to be made to take responsibility for the things they did. You know, just because you can do a thing or could do a thing doesn't mean you should. And as an adult person, you should have the ability to check yourself. That's the part of personal responsibility that I think is important. Yeah, so so that people have to first be made to act with empathy and understand that they've done something wrong, and then they have to be you know they have to take responsibility for it so yeah you can't force it can you you can't force someone to have empathy that they if they're a proper psychopath these particular this sort of ha- me too hashtag me too and all this that has come out you know there it is time for that to to change the, this this just because i you know i uh, oh it was different times that's yeah, not sorry. an excuse well, yeah, and um, well, now this is now times, and then yeah, there is a question of, um, yeah, like we we touched on yeah, sort of what you're responsible for is part of the culture, and as the culture progresses, things that might have seemed okay in the past now don't. But that doesn't. Is there a statute of limitations on on, on past behaviour? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I I think. It depends. I think oh, I don't. I, I don't want this associated particularly with the hashtag Me Too because I think it's mm-hmm. something different. But I think, let's say, in my own life, I know that I've done, said something careless, upset people, offended people, done careless things. I, I would really hope that I wouldn't do them again. Mm-hmm. That I've learned enough to not do them again, and I'm sorry that I did them. But, you know, so I, I think as long as there is a there is a, a, a point at which as long as you're evol- understand that that thing that you didn't really understand was wrong when you did it, you've learned enough to understand that it was. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, so I think there's nothing that sometimes you can't, that sometimes it's enough to be moving in the right direction. Yeah. Even if you can't kind of fix everything. You know, and, there, and there's a difference between a mistake. We all make mistakes. But if they become habitual or, or become part of our normal behaviour... we refuse we to ref- recognise them as mistakes... Then that's, uh, that's, that is not cool. If they are deliberate, then you are most certainly unambiguously responsible. Absolutely. Um, and being drunk is not an excuse. <laughs> 
According um, to Michael. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. If you like the podcast, go to grandpodcast.com, press subscribe. It'll do, it'll take you to the right place to, so you don't miss the future ones. And um, if you know, if you want to go back through them, just start from the first one because it's a bit of a sort of progression through time. Uh, where can people find you, Ivanka? Uh, you can find me at Ivanka on Twitter. You can find me at michaelforestmusic.com. be really nice is if you could go to things like iTunes, Apple Podcasts, all those kind of things. Give us some stars. Give us some ratings. Tell your friends about us. Don't be shy. Don't you know, shy. we're the ones embarrassing ourselves. Yeah. It's not you. <laughs> we're, it's not your... Well, not you. I mean, yes, it's your taste that's in question, but, you know, I think you made a good choice. I mean, you I could share it and just say, look, I heard this thing. What do you think? You don't have to say it's amazing, please listen. You know, just in case you want to check in first whether they like it. That's cool. We understand that. <laughs> yes, anyway. So, um, yeah, and come and check out our library, grandpodcast.com slash library, because that's got all the links. Everything we talk about is all linked in there in a big mess of, of, of thumbnail images. But, yeah, so hope you enjoyed that. See you next time. Bye. Bye, 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 bye. bye. Thank you.